Cool. Well, we are jumping back into Acts today. We're in Acts chapter 4. I wonder if you guys can remember what's happened so far in this Acts series. We started in Acts chapter 3, and something incredible happened. Can you remember what it was, guys? Anybody remember what's happened in Acts chapter 3? Go on then, B. Um, a person couldn't walk. There was a man who couldn't walk, wasn't there? Peter and another one. Can anyone remember what the other one was called? Go on, Anna. John. It was Peter and John. Well done, B. That's it. They, the guy who couldn't walk asked them for money. And then they said that they didn't have money, but they had something else to give the power of Christ. And then he said, stand up and walk. Amazing. And uh, amazing. That's exactly what happened. And we've been calling him Lame Larry, guys. Just going to put that out there. He was the lame man, so we've called him Larry. Just, you know, he needs a name. We've called him Lame Larry, just to clarify any confusion that that might slip out this morning. (laughs) Uh, Well, Lame Larry got up and miraculously walked. And he didn't just walk, did he, Be He actually was walking and leaping and praising God. And so, obviously, the people who've been coming to the temple for a long time thought, well, this is Lame Larry. He's the guy who sits there. Like, he doesn't walk, and so it gathered quite a crowd, didn't it? And so this is what we all talked about last week. Anna? In my Bible, it says he, Lame Larry's called a crippled man. He's a crippled man, that's right. That meant that he couldn't walk. And so the, get, the crowd begins to gather and goes, what's going on? What's going on? Something's happening. How come Larry is walking? Right there. So they're gathering around, and then Peter and John stand up and start telling all of the crowd about Jesus and about the power that made poor Larry walk about his new legs. Okay, so this is where we pick up the story. And we're going to go through the story together. Um, I've, I've clued up a few people to help us because um, the other thing I haven't told the grown-ups about, not only do we call him Lame Larry, but actually we have been investigative reporters in the kids' group. And we have been studying as reporters, what's been happening and following this story live, haven't we? And so for my uh, investigative reporters, I've actually got you some reporters' notebooks for you to take really good investigative notes as we go through this story. So you can come and get yourself a notebook from me. Yes. No? You don't want one? They're different colours. You come fast, you get first pick on the colour. Got a yellow one. Here we go. There's pens on the floor. And grab yourself a pen. Going blue. Good choice, good choice. Yellow or orange, but not that one. You can choose. Um, Well, guys, we're going to go through the story. And as we look through, I think there's a slide, Anna, that's got the dots across the top that would tell you, investigative reporters here, what to look for. So as we go through and we work out what's happening in the story, I want you to particularly take note of why were they arrested? What were they asked? How did they know what to say? And then how were they punished? There's four questions, and there's going to be a clue because that little magnifying glass is going to come up on the screen at the point that it's mentioned. Okay, so you guys can take notes and work out what's happening. Well, before we jump into the story, there are a few characters that's needed just to explain this mostly for the grown-ups' benefit because you guys are going to be a little bit confused, I know. As the passage starts, it lists out three 
groups who were watching what was happening who were unimpressed at what Peter and John were doing. The first of which were the priests. These guys ministered in the temple. They did a lot of the prayers for people. They did a lot of the kind of performing the sacred duties. These are the priests, okay? The next person in the story that noticed what was happening was the, was the ch- captain of the temple guard. I've got a sword. So um, this is... A, oh. This was the guy who was like in charge of all the guards, okay? I feel like if you've been in a big church or something, he's like the director of operations, okay? This is the guy that made sure everything was happening as it was supposed to be happening. He ensured all the guards were where they were. He was like the right-hand man to the leader, which um, I feel like is appropriate. <laughs> and then, and then there, there was the Sadducees, okay? The Sadducees were a group of high priests, okay? So they were the ones who did all the most religious things in the temple at this point, okay? Um, They were maintaining the temple, they were running all the sacred things. These guys were kind of bigwigs. So when when it starts, you've got priests, you've got captain of the guard, and then you've got the Sadducees, okay? The Sadducees, really important to learn about the Sadducees, is that they were very powerful, but there wasn't very many of them, and they weren't very well liked. The people didn't really like them very much. Um, In fact, the Sadducees particularly didn't like Uh, and didn't believe that anybody, that anything happened after you died. When you died, your body was in the ground and it stayed in the ground. They didn't believe about angels or spirits. They didn't believe anyone got resurrected. So that was the Sadducees. Okay, so our story starts with that. Guys on this side of the room, you're going to be my religious leaders. So that includes my Sadducees and my priests. Okay, Phil's over here being the chief guard over here. Um, And then we've got elders, those guys up here. These are like community leaders wiser people. I felt you guys fitted the bill. Um, And you've got the teachers of the law you guys taught. Sorry, guys. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, And and then there are some other people which we'll explain amongst your group in a minute. Okay, so we're going to jump into Acts chapter four. Are you ready? And we've got, uh, we've got a Peter. Peter? Me. Yes, you're going to be Peter for us this morning. And Peter is friends with John. John, we're going to have John, right? (laughs) You guys are Peter and John, before I trip on the pens. Um, And we're going to jump into Acts chapter 4. Are you ready? Stick it on screen for us, Anna. Investigative reporters, are you ready to look out for why they were arrested? The next one. Should be. I'm hoping so. Here we go. Well, while Peter and John were speaking to all the people, all the crowd came up to them. There were Jewish priests, the captain of the soldiers that guarded the temple, and some Sadducees. Okay. And these guys were upset because the two apostles were teaching the people. Peter and John, here we go, investigative reporters. Peter and John were preaching that people will rise from the death through the power of Jesus. And so they grabbed them and they arrested them. Here we go. You're going to be arrested. Can you help arrest them for us, Bethany? Can you arrest them? They arrested them. And they threw them into jail overnight. (laughs) Oh, she's very seriously being arrested. (laughs) This is serious business, guys. They were not happy. (laughs) (laughs) They've been arrested. We don't care about that. They were preaching, so they're going into jail. It was already night time, so they kept them in jail until the next day. But many of the people who'd been listening that afternoon in the temple had heard what was said, and they believed. There were about 5,000 men now in the group of believers. It's growing, it's growing. Okay, Anna, ready? Let's find out what happens next. 
Well, the next day, the Jewish rulers, that's you guys, the Jewish rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law, they all met together in this, like, very, very business-like religious meeting, okay? Now, Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander were there, and everyone from the high priest's family. Let me tell you who those people are. Hang on. Now, Annas wasn't actually the high priest. We think that Lucas probably called him the high priest because he used to be the high priest. Caiaphas was actually the high priest at this time. Annas is actually Caiaphas's father-in-law. But he was a very influential man, and he probably still conducted, it was like the president of this council. So that's why he's listed here as the high priest. So Caiaphas, John, and Alexander were there, and everyone from the high priest family. You can fight amongst yourself who gets to be Annas and Caiaphas and so on, on this side of the room. Well, these guys were there. The point of that, that Luke is trying to tell us, was actually there was a big, high percentage of Sadducees there in this council at that moment. That's why it mattered. Okay, well, they made Peter and John stand. That's right. They've got to stand. And then the Jewish leaders asked them, ready, guys, all together, this nice sentence in red. Ready? One, two, three. By what power or authority did you do this? Okay, and then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said to them, Rulers of the people, and you elders, are you questioning us about the good thing that was done to a crippled man? Are you asking us who made him well? We want all of you and all the Jewish people to know that this man was made well by the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth. There's a bit of shock, guys. Nailed him to a cross. But God raised him from death. This man was crippled, but he is now well and able to stand here before you because of the power of Jesus. Wow. Jesus is the stone that you builders did not want. It has become the cornerstone. Only Jesus has the power to save. His name is the only one in all the world that can save anyone. Whoa, 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 whoa. You guys are in awe at this moment. You can see the Jewish leaders saw that Peter and John were not afraid to speak. They understood that these men had had no special training or education. So they were amazed. Don't they look amazed, guys? Can you see how amazed they look? (gasps) There's some shock over here. They look amazed. Good job, good job. Then they realised that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Investigative reporters, did you notice how the men knew what to say? They noticed that they'd been with Jesus. And they saw the crippled man standing there beside the two apostles. Here we go, Dave. You are standing. Stand, stand. Lame Larry is no longer lame. He's got new legs. He's standing alongside the apostles. And they saw that he was healed, amazingly. And so they couldn't say anything against them. The Jewish leaders told them to leave the meeting. And you're having a a closed door conversation now at this point already. And then the leaders talked to each other about what they should do. Okay, you guys are are having a closed meeting. We'll pretend we can't hear. It's okay. Okay, this is what you guys are saying all together. Are you ready? They said, one, two, three. Not 
Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Well, let's just say, guys, somebody obviously tattled, otherwise we wouldn't know what was said in that meeting, would we? So <laughs> somebody obviously later become a follower of Jesus, didn't they? So they called Peter and John in again, opened the doors and said, yeah, we told you not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John, ready, both of you together, answered them. What do you think is right? What would God want? Should we obey you? Oh God, we cannot keep quiet. We must speak about what we have seen and heard. Well, the Jewish leaders couldn't find any way to punish them because of all the people, that's the rest of you guys sitting down over here, were praising God for what had been done. Let's praise God. Woo, woo, woo. That's it, that's it. This miracle was a proof from God because the man who was healed was more than 40 years old. So the Jewish leaders, that is old, it's old. The Jewish leaders were warned. They, they warned the apostles again, and then they let them go free. Excellent. Guys, give yourself a nice big round of applause for your excellent acting skills. Thank you very much. Bethany, if you could do the honours and release our prisoners, I'm sure they'd appreciate that. <laughs> well, I, I just want to talk to you guys. Um, there are four things. As I was studying the passage... I thought, hmm, in my investigative reporter mode, I thought there are four things that stood out as odd. Thank you very much. And if I was an investigative reporter back in that time, I would be interested in these things. Okay, so the first one I noticed, and maybe you noticed it too, kids, was that they were arrested because of their preaching. Did you notice that? Did you get that as the first thing? They were arrested because of their preaching, but they were then questioned about the healing instead. <coughs> they arrested them because they were preaching the resurrection of the dead, but they then questioned them about the healing. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you see, Peter and John saw right through this. The Sadducees, the guys who arrested them, didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so they, but they knew that in this kind of council setting, they were outnumbered slightly. And so they couldn't really ask what they really wanted to ask. And so they hid their question in amongst questioning them about the healing. But Peter and John saw right through that. They knew what was happening. And so they made it blatantly clear that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom they had killed, was responsible for the healing. Okay? Well, you see, dead people don't do anything. Do they? No. Have you ever known a dead person do anything? No. Dead people don't do anything because they're dead. And therefore, if Jesus Christ was responsible for healing, lame Larry, apologies, then Jesus isn't dead. Amen. And therefore, the resurrection of the dead. Um, well, the Sadducees, I think, hid their question because they were scared. They were scared of what the people would say. And they didn't feel like they could really ask the question. I don't know whether you've ever felt a little bit like that, where you thought, I can't really ask the question that I'd like to ask. I'm a little bit worried about what people might think of me if I ask that question. Well, do you know what? The claims of Jesus Christ are bigger than anything else that this world could possibly claim. The claims of Jesus are incredible. That this man was God, who walked among us and did all these miraculous signs and then came alive again and went to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. These are incredible claims. Guys, let me just say, it's okay to have questions. And it's okay to not know all the answers. Just because you profess to trust Jesus doesn't mean that all your questions are gone. 
And maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you haven't even decided that you do know enough about Jesus to trust him and follow him. It's okay to have questions. If you're new to God, then it's okay to ask the questions. Do you know what? If you've been a Christian 50 years, it's still okay to ask the questions. Let's be a place where people can ask. It's okay to ask. We're not scared by your questions. God's not scared by your questions. So kids, if you've got questions, grown-ups, if you've got questions, please talk to someone about them. I've known far too many people who have ended up getting so tied up in their heads over the questions that they don't feel like they can ask, that they end up walking away from God and from church. We don't want that to be true of you. So ask us. Send me a text later. Let's go for coffee. I'm sure John, Luna, the others here would really happily have a chat. So don't let your questions uh, be hidden. Don't hide your questions. That's the first thing I noticed. The second thing I noticed. Are you ready? Well, they didn't question whether the healing was genuine. They questioned how they were able to do it. Let me demonstrate slightly. I need a volunteer. Noah, will you help me? I don't know whether you've ever seen a magician do his tricks. Phil's laughing because I've been practicing. Noah, I'd like you to take a tissue. Show everybody your tissue. Are you happy with that tissue? Is it a complete tissue, Noah? Hold it up so they can see. Is it a complete tissue? No? Yeah. Broken yeah. in half? Yeah. Is it a whole tissue? Definitely no, uh, no cuts. Excellent. Okay, what I'm going to do is I am going to ruin this tissue, I'm going to break it, and I'm going to heal it back together again in my incredible magician skills. Don't watch too closely. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to break a bit off. Are you ready? Here we go. This is broken off. You weren't watching too closely, were you, B? <laughs> it's broken right off, okay? And I'm going to hide it inside the middle of the tissue. Here we go. Are you ready? Here we go. And now you're going to squeeze it in your hand really, really tight. Squeeze it, squeeze it, squeeze it, squeeze it, squeeze it. Really, 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 really tight. Squeeze, 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 squeeze. And it's going to stick back together miraculously. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you definitely squeezed it tight enough? Are you sure? Okay. Let's open it up and let's see whether it has been incredibly healed. Show the people. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Brenda. Yeah. Is it, is it, you definitely know, no marks, no bits missing? There's two tissues, do you think? Do you think? Oh, there wasn't two tissues, there was just one. Here it is, here it is. You can show the people, Noah. There you go, you can take it out. Well, just like that. Just like that, I'm sure you're all wondering, how did I do this incredible magic trick? It's just beyond explanation, isn't it, guys? <laughs> well, when the leaders started questioning Peter and John about the healing, they were not going. I'm sure when you see a magician just like me, you're all going, wow, how did you do it? How did you do it? And when you're asking me, how did you do it? It's because you know there's a trick, isn't it? Do you know there's a trick, Noah? You know there's a trick, there's a way of doing it that's not, like I didn't really glue it back together. No. Like you know, there's a, you know there's a real explanation yeah, yeah. as to how that happened, that's what happens with a magician. But that's not what happened here. That's not what happened here. You see Peter and John, the religious leaders knew without a doubt that it, he had been healed. It wasn't a magic trick. And so when they said to them, well, we want to know by what power did you do this? They weren't saying, go on, give us the secret trick. How did, he, how did you make him walk? They weren't asking what the, what, what the real trick was because they didn't believe it happened. They believed he genuinely was healed. 
the, the comment right at the end about him being 40 years old is really significant because in that culture, the kind of medicines and the different kind of things that they might have used to help somebody in Lame Larry's situation, they kind of established that nothing could work after the age of 40. I don't really know why. I'm sorry, guys. If you're over 40, you're stuck like this. <laughs> but all of those kind of natural remedies and stuff that they would have used would all have... Have, have kind of they recognised that they couldn't work after they were 40 and therefore the comment the fact that he was over 40 was significant because that point they're going well nothing else can happen he is like he is that's it now but yet they did believe that he actually was walking and standing amongst them I don't know why Larry came back the next day to this council of um, religious leaders Larry was there but actually he was a witness in that space saying look this has genuinely happened okay well the religious leaders were so fixated on the power here. They were really, like, because the Sadducees were quite a small group of them and they were really striving for power wherever they could get it, this threatened their power. And so they were going, well, whose power? Whose power was it? That was their question. Whose power was it? What is the powerful name? You know, their question wasn't about concern for Larry. Their question was concern for themselves. You know, our world isn't very different from that today. There is a power struggle in our world still, isn't there? Religious, political leaders all trying to get power in different ways. That still happens. In fact, there are lots of people who claim to have power to save us, aren't there, Anna? Here are some of the ones I found. Maybe you'll recognise them. This is a book, and it's called Power to Save the World, the truth about nuclear energy. Nuclear energy could save the world, guys. Nuclear energy could save us. What else could save us, Anna? Well, you could save energy and save life. If you save your energy, you could save life. Incredible, incredible claims. Go on, Anna, another one. What about cleaning your hands? Save lives. Did you know that? Only clean hands have the power to save. That's what Peter stood up to say. <laughs> what else have we got, Anna? Saving water saves lives. What about that power, hey? That water. Super powerful, hey? <laughs> Go on, Anna. What else, what else has got the power to save us? Data. Data has the power to save us. <laughs> Data. <laughs> Go on, Anna. Another one. Seat belts save lives. I mean, there's some truth in all of these, isn't there? Let's be honest. But do they have the power to save us? Data? Not sure. <laughs> save money, and money will save you. Money will save you. Money has the power to save. How often we believe that, right? This one I thought made me laugh. The power of trees. How ancient forests can save us if we let them. That trees can save us. Guys, good news. Good news. <laughs> the power of trees. Is that the last one, Anna? Or have we got another one? Oh, yeah. This guy is an author um, and a neurobiologist. And he says, only you can save yourself. Only you can save yourself. I think that's probably what our culture would believe. I think that's probably what a lot of my friends believe. Mm -hmm. Only you only you can save yourself. Mm -hmm. What does Peter tell us, Anna? I think, that's I think that's next. Peter says, only Jesus has the power to save. His name is the only one in all the world that can save anyone. Not even trees can save us like Jesus saves us. Peter and John were pretty clear. There was only one saviour. There's only one that can really save us. So my question is, 
Who are you trusting to save you? Maybe you put your hope in science or education, or maybe even in your leaders or your friends or trees. But only Jesus has the power to save. And you know what? Jesus has already saved you. Jesus has already done everything necessary to save you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, number three. Number three. I noticed, and maybe you noticed, that Peter was copying someone. When Peter stood up and he did his incredible, powerful speech, he was actually copying plagiarism. Shocking. Shocking. Well... (laughs) Firstly, Peter was quoting Psalms, Psalm 118, when he said um, that this keystone, this cornerstone, um, and and he quotes about this, okay? But also, Jesus quoted that very same Psalm. See, Paul recognized it. That very same bit, Jesus had actually quoted as well. And Jesus had quoted it in Matthew 21, just after a very similar bunch of leaders had asked him a very similar question. Where do you get your authority from? And so Jesus had used this verse as well. Well, let me explain first what this verse was saying. Because he talks about being the cornerstone, the one that you guys had rejected. Now, that cornerstone is also translated as the keystone or the capstone. And you can see that the arrow in the picture is pointing to that very large stone in the middle of the arch right there. And that is the keystone or the capstone. And that stone is holding that arch together. It's got to be the strongest. It's got to be the most, uh, the, the highest stone and without that stone in place everything else is going to crumble that stone was the most significant it was the highest above everything else and it holds everything together without that stone there is no arch that's the point that jesus was making and that's the point that peter is making that actually in this idea of saving of being saved there is no other way jesus is the cornerstone he is the capstone and if you take that stone out and you say, oh, we could save ourselves by trees, then everything crumbles. Apologies if you like trees. I'll move on. <laughs> um, and Jesus boldly stated that because he is God, he has the power to save. And without, by rejecting Jesus, they're also rejecting God. That's what he had to say. Well, Peter had spent some time with Jesus, hadn't he? Just a few years getting to know Jesus. And Peter learned how to argue with religious leaders from Jesus. Peter learned his theology from Jesus. Peter learned all the answers from Jesus. Do you know what these guys, these religious leaders, they noticed how courageous and how brave Peter was. And they noticed how educated he was. You know, this was a pretty sophisticated way of of describing something and arguing something, was to take an Old Testament verse, put it into the current context and explain it by what's around you. That was a a very kind of educated thing that only really high rabbis really knew how to do. And so they noticed that he must have learned that from Jesus. Well, here's my question to you, I think. Is who is shaping you? Who are you learning from? You know, Peter knew how to because he'd spent time with Jesus. He'd spend time with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus shaped their understanding, their gifting, and their purpose. So you could start spending time with Jesus, and then you can expect him to change how you think, how you speak, and how you act as well. We're all being shaped by something. The reality is we're probably all being shaped by a number of things. 
I wonder what is shaping you. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's song lyrics and music. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's your teachers or your bosses. You're all being shaped by something. The question is, what's the main thing that's shaping you? I wonder if you could turn to the person next to you and tell them just something else that might be shaping you. Someone else who might be telling you how to think or how to behave. What else is telling you? Have a think. What else? Can you think of something else that might be shaping you? Newspapers. 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 The media is massive. Tells us how to think, doesn't it? Definitely. The news. Yeah, it does. There's definitely a slant in it, isn't there? It tells you how to think about something. Books. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Kids, did you have any ideas? Come on, B. Teachers. Your teachers definitely teach you how to think, don't they? Teach you what to think and how to think. <coughs> what else is shaping you? Your parents. Your parents. Definitely. I'd hope so. Parents. Parents have a big role in shaping you as well, don't they? I don't know about you, but I find music is really important for me. If I'm listening to stuff that's just speaking, you end up singing along with stuff, and then you think, I don't even believe that. Um, I find music's a really powerful way of making you think in a certain way. Well, let me encourage you to spend some time with Jesus. Spend some time with Jesus. Spend some time reading the, the Bible. Spend some time getting to know God and listen to what he has to say. You know, not all of those things that we've just talked about are bad things. Your parents, your teachers, some, like even news, like a lot of those things can be good things too. But which one are you listening to most? Are they godly? Okay, last thing I wanted to pull out for you. Your number four, investigative reporters, maybe you noticed this one, that the religious leaders let them go at the end. When I asked, what, how did they get punished? They let them go, even though... They said to Peter and John, okay, but only if you guys are silent, you can go as long as you promise not to preach. And Peter and John went, yeah, I think we're still going to preach. And they went, okay, off you go. <laughs> there was no punishment. There wasn't any punishment. They threatened them. They said, no. And they said, okay, off you go. <laughs> that doesn't seem to work, does it? <laughs> you know, I mentioned earlier that Peter, sorry, that the religious leaders were threatened by this power that they'd seen. They were threatened by that power. You know what? They couldn't deny the power that they'd seen, but yet they weren't ready to accept it. I wonder if you've been in that space, or maybe you know someone who's in that space, who can't deny the power of Jesus, can't deny the reality of a living God, but yet they're just not ready to accept it for themselves. I've got friends like that who go, I kind of think there's some truth here. I believe in God, but I'm not ready to let it shape me. Not ready. Like, maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe someone listening online is, is in that place as well. You think Jesus might be who he said he was, but you're still holding him at arm's length, not quite letting him shape you. Let me ask you, what are you waiting for? Is there a question? Maybe you've got questions left. Maybe you're not willing to let him into your life. What are you waiting for? Don't leave it too long, guys. Well, just like Peter and John, we can expect all sorts of conflict in our lives. If you're following Jesus and you're running after Jesus and you're letting Jesus be the one that shapes you and leads you, well, then don't be surprised when people disagree with you. And when people think, hey, hang on, 
That's not how our world teaches us to think. That's not the way we should live. Don't be surprised when people disagree with you or when you disagree with something that our world is teaching us. You know what? We live for a different leader. We live for a different saviour. We have a different saviour. And being faithful to the one, the only one, who has the power to save often means disagreeing with the saviours of this world. There are people that we have to listen to, our teachers and our leaders and our parents. There are different voices that we need to listen to. But who's your highest authority? You know, Peter and John stood before this council and they were very respectful. But they said, no, our highest authority is Jesus. You know what? There is a way of disagreeing with this world in a nice way, in a loving, kind, honouring way. My question for you, Anna, I think it comes up at the bottom of the verse, is could you stay silent? That's what they offered them. They said, okay, we'll let you go. As long as you stay silent, you, you don't talk about Jesus anymore. Peter and John couldn't stay silent. They said, no, we just, we just wouldn't be able to. It's going to come bubbling out of us. When I read that, I thought, do you know what? I think probably a lot of us here would have been okay with staying silent. It's actually, I, I wonder how many people this week you've talked to about Jesus. Could you have stayed silent? Isn't that a problem? That we could have stayed silent? Isn't that a problem? We shouldn't be silent, church. We should have Jesus bubbling out of us as we talk to the people around us. We should be ready to share Jesus wherever we go. So, my conclusion. I've got a couple of points, Anna. Here we go. Trusting and following Jesus above all else is what this passage is talking about. So we can expect challenges. We can expect people to disagree with us. We can follow God and still respect other people. We can learn from Jesus. We can spend time with Jesus, just like Peter and John did. We can be equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit to be courageous and to be wise. And we can point people to the only one who has the power to save anyone. We're going to take bread and wine. And I'd love us to just, as we come together now, to respond to Jesus as the only true saviour, the only one who actually has the power to save us. Let's respond to him as the only saviour. Let's come back to him and remember what it is that we have put aside, what else we've been listening to, what else has been shaping us. And just come back to him as the only one who has the power to save anyone.